Let me encourage you to take it out and turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're only going to look at one verse of Scripture this morning that has so much to say about where we are this particular time of the year and what we're preparing our hearts for on this Sunday morning immediately prior to Thanksgiving. The Apostle Paul, in about 51 AD, uh, wrote this little letter to the church at Thessalonica. He had been ran out of Thessalonica, had some trouble there, and he writes back to them to talk about some things he didn't get to express while he was serving the Lord with them. And here in chapter 5, obviously, he is concluding his letter, and in the immediate context to verse 18, you're going to notice that the Apostle Paul gives some quick, pithy, if you would, advice on how he thought the Thessalonians ought to live out their Christian lives. Well, here's the good thing about the Word of God. It's an eternal word. It's a word, obviously, that was sent to a particular context at a particular place and at a particular time, but it's God's Word, and so it's relevant across the generations of time. And I believe that if God would send the Apostle Paul right here to this place this morning and speak to us here at Bible Baptist Church, he, on this Sunday, immediately before Thanksgiving, he'd just repeat exactly what he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. Since we're looking at a very brief reading this morning and an easy to say out loud verse of Scripture, y'all know I like to do this, would you just look at the screen or look down at your version of Scripture and let's just say 1 Thessalonians 5.18 out loud together. Here we go. In everything... Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You can do it better this time. Here we go. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Everybody point at me. Go ahead. Doesn't bother me. I'm going to point at y'all a whole lot here in a moment. Point at me. Now turn that finger around and point at yourself and say, this is God's word for me today. Say it with me. Here we go. This is God's word for me today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the blessing of just being alive and being here with your people. Thank you, Father, for the great week that lies ahead for us. And God, we have so many things for which to be thankful. Lord, many of us in this room have been walking through days of difficulty, but we haven't been doing it alone. We have been doing it with you as our resource, with you as our guide. And so, Father, we thank you even in the moments where we're walking through the valley, Lord. We're thankful for your hand and your presence in our lives. I just pray, Lord, that you would take this verse of anointed Scripture and that, Father, you who inspired it many, many years ago would be the same God who, Father, communicates it 
to our open hearts today. Father, I pray that this morning we would learn not to just be people who ever so often give you moments of thanksgiving, but Father, may we live a lifestyle of thanksgiving, and I pray your word would teach us to do that right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and amen. I want to talk to you today about thanksgiving. I believe with all of my heart that we ought to be people who not only celebrate Thanksgiving every now and then, but we ought to be people who live it out 365 days a year. That word thanks is a beautiful word, isn't it? When I just say the word thanks, I'm reminded of a story I heard years ago about Rudyard Kipling. How many of you remember Rudyard Kipling? Kipling was a great English poet and novelist. If you don't recognize his name, I know you'll recognize at least one of his works, The Jungle Book. Y'all thought Walt Disney wrote that, didn't you? He actually didn't, but Rudyard Kipling was the author of The Jungle Book and many other fabulous works. Kipling lived in the late 1800s. He was born in Mumbai, India, but to an English-speaking family, really an English family, and then moved over to the UK where he spent most the rest of his life. But Kipling actually visited the United States of America. Now here's an interesting fact about Kipling. Kipling made a lot of money by writing, being an author while he was alive, and that's saying something for those who were authors in that particular day and age. He was actually a very wealthy man. People loved to read his writing. And so when he was visiting the United States of America, he was in the great New York City, and a newspaper reporter found him and walked up to him, and he said, Mr. Kipling, I understand that you're a very wealthy man. In fact, someone recently, Mr. Kipling, calculated the money that you make, and they said that you make over $100 per written word. So, Mr. Kipling, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to hold out this $100 bill, and if you give me one of your $100 words, you can take it. Well, Kipling looked at that New York reporter and didn't bat an eye. He just simply reached over, took that $100 bill, folded it up, put it in his pocket, and said, thanks. <laughs> thanks is a $100 word. Thanks is a great word. And again, as I've already said, thanks is something that we ought to tell the Lord, not just on the particular Thursday of November that we've laid aside on the American calendar to do so, but we ought to tell God thanks for our many blessings each and every day of our lives. If any nation in the world ought to be made up of people who live out thanks, 
it ought to be the United States of America. Are we not a blessed people? I would go even further and zero in the focus and say this. If any group of people in the United States of America ought to be incredibly thankful, it ought to be we who are called by the name of Christ. Aren't you thankful today to be saved? Just to know that your account is settled with the Lord, that your name is affixed in the Lamb's book of life. Aren't you thankful that God not only has a heaven awaiting you, but He has a grand purpose for your life and the living out of your moments right now. We ought to be thankful to be Christians. And I'll even tighten the focus in a little bit more. If any group of Christians ought to be thankful, it's those of us right here at Bible Baptist Church today. I mean, I look around the room this morning and I see, and I haven't served with you really all that long, but I've been with you long enough to see God's hand at work. I've seen how God, through His Holy Spirit, has ministered to your heart and to your life, and I've seen how God and His Holy Spirit through you has ministered to my heart and my life. Folks, we ought to be thankful. I'm saying to you this morning that it is in fact God's will for His children not to just have a separated moment here and there of temporary gratitude, but it is God's will for us to live a lifestyle of ceaseless thanksgiving. I want you to notice the latter part of verse 18. This is what God wants us to do. I'll say much more about it in a moment, but from the outset, look with me at what Scripture says. Living out thankfulness is God's will for you. It's what God wants you to do. In other words, don't miss this. Catch it early this morning. You, if you're not living out thanksgiving, here's what I can tell you. You are not in God's will. That's what the Bible says. Don't get mad at me for saying that. It's God's Word. And God's Word is forever settled. It'll stand when the world's on fire. And God's Word says that His will for you is to live in thanksgiving. In fact, if you're a person whose life is marked by ingratitude, may I say to you as kindly as I know how to say it, but also bluntly, you have some spiritual growing up to do. I mean, just think about life in general. Take a little child. Little children are just automatically thankful. Right, parents? No, not quite. I've raised two of them, by the way. And I remember the days with both of my boys when they were younger where it was almost like... Do you all remember the Looney Tune cartoons? And you remember there's that one cartoon where Sylvester gobbles up Tweety Bird and Granny gets a hold of Sylvester. You remember Granny, don't you? Some of you that don't know about Looney Tunes, you have been deprived. 
If you have a little extra time this week because of the holiday, uh, go to YouTube, type in Looney Tunes, and be amazed. But you remember that, those of you that were along the Looney Tune ride with me, uh, there was that time where Sylvester, the cat, he gobbles up Tweety Bird and Granny gets a hold of Sylvester and turns him upside down and starts paddling his behind as she says, drop it, drop it, drop it, drop it. Often, that's how I felt like in raising boys when it came to getting them just to express gratitude. I would have to say over and over, say thanks. Tell him thank you. Tell her thank you. You see, when we're immature, often we have to learn to express our thanks. It's just the way we are. And then sometimes we express our thanks just to see what much, what more we can get. Uh, the little story about the grandson that was spending the day with his grandmother. And after lunch that afternoon, she served him a big piece of homemade chocolate cake. The little boy was digging into that chocolate cake, and uh, grandmother looked at him and said, Now, son, aren't you supposed to say something? He said, "Oh, Oh, yeah, Grandma, thank you. Well, she just beamed and she said, I love little boys who say thanks. And he said, if you'll put a big old dollop of ice cream on this cake, I'll say it again. (laughs) You know, sometimes uh, we have to really be taught how to say thanks. And then sometimes we say thanks just to get something more out of it. But I want you to know this morning that ought not be the way we live our lives as mature disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you can expect a little person to be ungrateful and have to be trained, but God ought to never look at us and just wait and wait and wait until we say thanks. Hear me closely. You may be a giant today. You might have a body of a Hercules today and a mind of an Einstein, but you have a heart of a pygmy if you're not a grateful person. The Bible says, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'm going to pull two principles out of this one verse of Scripture that we can take home with us this afternoon and uh, ruminate on them, think through them, and I believe these will prepare our hearts for the week week ahead. First thing I want to say is Thanksgiving is expected. It's just obvious. Again, the Bible says this is God's will for you. I'm going to take this verse in reverse in just a moment. We'll come back to the earlier part of verse 18, but look again at the latter part. The Bible just says, give thanks because this is what God wants us to do. In Christ Jesus, this is what God expects us to do. So see it very clearly. Don't miss it. We are commanded here. 
to give thanks. It's a command. It's not just an option. It's an obligation. We're commanded to give thanks. Just as you're obligated to give back to God your offerings and you're obligated to share a witness with people who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you are also obligated to give thanks. As a matter of fact, it doesn't get a lot of press, but ingratitude is a terrible sin. Let me take a quick inventory of the room. How many of you would agree with me that to do something the Bible tells you not to do, that is sin? Raise your hand like this. All right, 100%. How many of you would also agree with me that not to do something the Bible says to do, that also is sin? Raise your hand with me like this. 100%. We understand that. There are sins of omission and sins of commission. Again, a sin of omission is going across a line that God has drawn and and doing something that God has said not to do, but not doing something, leaving off something God expects us to do, that is a sin. And so living with a heart of ingratitude is a terrible sin. I remarked earlier about Shakespeare or about uh, Rudyard Kipling. Uh, let me give you a couple of quotes from Shakespeare. William Shakespeare desca- de- described ingratitude and the person who harbored that in his heart as a marble-hearted fiend. <laughs> That's a very serious indictment, isn't it? In other words, Shakespeare wrote and said. If you don't say thanks, if you don't have a heart of gratitude, your heart is of solid marble. Listen to this passage. Shakespeare went on to say this, I hate ingratitude more in man than lying, vainness, babbling, drunkenness, or any taint of vice whose strong corruption inhabits our frail blood. He went on to say, how sharper it is to be a thankless child than to have a serpent's tooth. In other words, if you're thankless, if you don't express gratitude, you have teeth in you like a serpent. Someone wrote this about the ungrateful soul. The author said, Trust the ungrateful soul with money and he'll steal it. Trust the ungrateful soul with honor and he'll betray it. With virtue and he'll violate it. With love and with hellish alchemy, he'll transmute it. With your good name and he'll besmirch it. Listen closely. Ingratitude is the mark of rank worldliness. To not live a life of gratitude, praising God, thanking God for who He is and for His blessings on your life and in your heart, that's what a lost person does. Don't take my word for it. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. When Paul wrote to the church at Rome, you know, in those early verses of the book, 
He's laying out the sinful condition that a heart has apart from the grace of God. How very black our souls are without the forgiveness that only God can provide. And I want you to listen to how Paul describes the lost world in, in Romans one twenty one. He writes and he says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God, now listen closely, or give thanks to Him. Do you hear what Paul's saying? The lost world, people who are not saved, people whose lives have not yet been changed by the grace of God, they do not give thanks. That's what Paul writes. And though they are like that, it gets even worse. He goes on to say, they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Thanksgiving is expected. Are you a person who lives out Thanksgiving? Let me just ask you, have you ever thanked certain people in your life for the things they've done for you? You see, God is not just concerned that you thank Him. That's where it begins. Because obviously, if you don't thank God, you're not being thankful toward people. So it begins, as most things do, with that vertical relationship, thanking God for who He is and for His blessings. If you're not there, the horizontal thing's not working out. You're not thanking the people in your life. Have you ever thanked the person or the persons who contributed to your being led to Christ? In other words, have you ever thanked the soul winner in your life? Children, have you ever thanked your parents for what God did for you through them? Husband, how often do you thank your wife for how God has blessed you with her. Wife, how often do you thank your husband for the good thing that God's doing in your life through him? Students, do you thank your professors or your teachers? Church members, do we thank one another the way we should just for all the grace and the blessings that God showers upon us just by being connected together in a family of faith. You see, we ought to live it out. It's really not just thanksgiving, it's thanks living. And here's what I want you to know. It's better to express it and not mean it than to mean to and never express it. Now, I'm not trying to tell you to be dishonest in your heart. But I'm just saying to you, you need to put your thanks living into practice. It begins vertically, thanking God for all your blessings. It continues horizontally, thanking the people in your life for what God does with you, through them, and for you through them. We ought to be people who are always thankful, I'll say it again, to not be thankful is to live in sin. Thanksgiving is expected. The second and last principle I want you to see with me this morning is not only 
the principle that thanksgiving is expected, but thanksgiving ought to be expansive. Now, it gets tough. That was the easy part. Here comes the hard part. Notice again how Paul writes this, how God inspired him to put it down, what God says through him and his word to us this morning. He, he says, in, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We've already talked about the fact that it's well established here, the expectation, but notice the expansiveness of this. In everything, everybody say everything with me. Here we go. Everything. In everything, give thanks. You know what? Regardless of who you are and how limited you might be or how limited you might feel you are, there's always many things for which you can be thankful. We're going to have Thanksgiving uh, service of sorts Tuesday night. We will have a prayer meeting on Tuesday instead of Wednesday because of the holiday coming on Thursday. And so we're going to have opportunities to come out together and, and to just share Thanksgiving. By the way, those of you that typically come out on Wednesday nights, we're, we're basically doing that every Wednesday night as we honor God for how He's working in our lives. We'll concentrate the whole service in a couple of days on that. But I heard a story years ago about a Thanksgiving testimony service and everybody around the room was just popping up and down, uh, thanking God for this thing and that thing. And finally there was a lady in the back of the sanctuary and she hadn't stood up yet. She had sat through the service just wondering what she could say. And she stood up and she said, I want to thank God tonight. I only have two teeth but they meet in the middle. (laughs) The truth of the matter is, even if you have two teeth and they meet in the middle, you've got something for which to be thankful, right? That's what the Bible says. Not just for something like that, or not for just a particular blessing, but in all things, in everything, were to give thanks. Now that really does. Laying the jokes aside, that makes this a difficult verse. In everything, we're to give thanks. You know, I read this, particularly in these moments of my life, and I say, God, can't you give me a little break? Couldn't you have said something like, In your blessings, give thanks. God, couldn't you have said, in most things, give thanks? That's not what He says, right? He says, in all things, give thanks. Be careful what you understand here, because God's not teaching us here to feel grateful all the time. And he's not teaching us here to feel thankful when we're in the middle of of harsh and difficult moments of life and, and burdens. 
But what he's teaching us is as we're going through all things, blessings and burdens, we need to be thankful. So it should be expansive. In all things, he says, be thankful. Now I'll start with the easy part. We ought to be thankful for our blessings. We just sang it in the old hymn, Count Your Blessings. Name them one by one. We ought to be thankful for our blessings. Are we not blessed? Proverbs says in Proverbs 10.22, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrows with it. According to this verse, it's not your bank account, and it's not your family necessarily, it's not your status in the community that makes you blessed, but it's the blessings of the Lord. It's what God gives you that makes you a wealthy and a blessed person. I like one definition of a Christian that I read years ago. said, a Christian is someone who does not have to consult his bank account to see how wealthy he is. That's so true of all of us. Our blessings. Every day... Blessings. Are you thankful for the food you have? You ought to be. A couple of weeks ago on Wednesday night, we talked about what it means to pray, Give us, Lord, our daily bread, just our normal, ordinary, everyday blessings. Are you thankful for your bread, for your food? You ought to be. Do you realize that two thirds of the world? goes to bed hungry each and every night. A third of that two-third is underfed and the other third is downright starving. Now, I just look in the mirror and I say, I'm not starving. Don't y'all laugh at me, some of y'all aren't starving either. But people around this world are starving. We talk about being hangry. You know what it is to be hangry. You know, just being hungry and mad about it. I'm ready to eat. Want something to eat? We understand what that is, but very few, if any of us in this room right now, truly understand existential hunger. But there are people in this world right now that if they don't get something to eat, they're going to die. Hunger. Last statistic I looked at said 30 people in the world die of a hunger-related death each minute. 30 people in this world. And we complain about dirty dishes. Nobody likes dirty dishes. I really don't like dirty dishes. But there's a little poem that I read some time ago that says this, and it ought to be something we think about. Thank you, Lord, for the dirty dishes. They have a tale to tell. While others may go hungry, I've eaten very well. With home, health, and happiness, I shouldn't want to fuss. By this stack of dirty evidence, God... 
you've been very good to us. Remember that Thursday when they're stacked up? Just evidence that God has been good to us. Yet, so many times, I look out and I see people in restaurants that sit down at a table and go at it like a dog or a hog and never pause and say, thank you, God. Don't be that type of person. Be thankful for just your daily bread. Have you ever thanked God just for the blessing of water? I look around the room, I have a bottle down there. We, we take it for granted. We have clean water to drink. And I, I really did not understand this. Honestly, I did not. I mean, I heard about it, but, but the gravity of it hadn't filtered down into my heart until several years ago when the church where I pastored in Lexington established a mission center in, outside of Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And I remember those days after the terrible earthquake of being down there and working with people. And listen, their daily effort, don't miss this, listen to what I'm telling you, their daily effort was just to find suitable water. May I just ask you this morning, when was the last time that you had to put out a lot of effort. I understand the water situation in Mount Vernon. I understand that. But even when it's at its worst, just understand that many people around this world only wish they would have it that good. Have you ever had to spend a day just trying to find water to drink? I remember being down there and a videographer was with us and he wanted to get some footage of life in Port-au-Prince right after the earthquake. And so we, we drove into this water getaway, or giveaway rather, and it became a need to get away because of the, just the absolute stampede of people that were trying to get some fit water. And our interpreter who was with us, the videographer, looked at him and asked, what in the world's going on? And I remember our interpreter just simply saying this, they're thirsty. They're thirsty. We ought to be thankful for our blessings. Here's the thing. If we can't be thankful in moments of blessing... How are we going to be thankful in moments of burden? And that's what Scripture says. Be thankful, not necessarily for all things, but in all things, in all circumstances. In burdens, we ought to be thankful because God is doing something. We don't always understand. I 
I have a young lady here with me this morning that grew up like a sister to my youngest son. And we don't, we don't always understand. But we'll understand it better by and by. But hear me. One thing I can tell you for sure, that in moments of burden, when you lean into God, you learn things about Him that you didn't know before. Difficulties mature us in our faith. The Bible says in James 1, 2 through 4, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you... Go through trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. God often uses the difficult moments of our lives to mature us and grow us in our faith. And then sometimes, as I said just a moment ago, we go through difficulties that we can't explain, that from human understanding are just flat out inexplicable. But we can be thankful and we can be grateful because of who God is and what God has promised. I'm thankful. I'm a thankful man today. And this is going to be the hardest Thanksgiving of my life. But can I tell you, church, from my heart, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for a God who saves. I'm thankful for a God who reached down to me And I'm thankful for a God who reached down to my son. I'm thankful that God can use a story and people can come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't understand it all, but I'm telling you today that I have a heart of gratitude. You see, you have two options. Either you can have a hard heart and I am not going to live my life with a hard heart. I refuse to do so. Or you can have a supple heart, a grateful heart in God's hands and tell Him in the words of Job of old, Lord, though You slay me, I will trust you. I close by reminding you of that story recorded in the book of John where Jesus shared a hard saying with his apostles. You remember the day before he had fed thousands with a little boy's lunch And the next day they come back and they're looking for more. But on that next day, Jesus did not feed them physical food. 
but he used it as an object lesson to communicate to them that what you need more than the loaves and fish is the bread of life. The Bible says after Jesus taught them that day, you know what they did? They didn't get what they wanted. And so they turned their back upon Jesus. And they walked away. Jesus looks at the crowd standing, just himself and those apostles. And he asks them a very important question. He says, are you going to go too? Peter looked him in the eye. And he said, Lord, where can we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. I'm saying to you this morning, even if you're living in days of terrible trial and hard burdens, be thankful that there's a rock and one to whom you can turn. And I ask you, using the question of Peter, where else are you going to go? To whom else can you turn in all things? On the mountaintop, praise His name. Be thankful because you wouldn't be there without Him. And in the valley... Be thankful because you could not walk through it without Him. In everything, give thanks because this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Would you stand with me and bow your heads?